0: Welcome back to the Bricks and Mortar podcast, the Bricks and Mortar podcast, well that's a podcast about property. If you own a property, rent a property, invest in property or you know what, have an interest in property, then you'll find something of interest in the next 30 minutes. I'm Jonathan Williams and I'm the host of the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Since last week we've had a break in the weather. Um, I can't remember the last time we've had uh, two weeks of unbroken sunshine in Glasgow and uh, I have to say sitting at work this afternoon and watching the rain come down it was uh, it was quite something that uh, you couldn't actually remember the last time it uh, had been raining in Glasgow and if you know anybody in Glasgow uh, you'll know that doesn't happen very often. What we're going to do in this week's show is going to bust a couple more myths You will have no doubt heard about fixed prices um, tended to happen probably in the the downturn where you find that estate agents are trying to sell properties quickly and uh, fixed prices were all their age. Does a fixed price mean a fixed price? I'll tell you it doesn't. We'll go and talk about solicitors. Uh, That's going to be the bulk of this week's show. Um, As a solicitor of many years standing, it's vital that you choose the correct solicitor and I'll give you some pointers on that. We'll talk about a podcast. A podcast that I'm gonna tell you about is the things that you should know podcast. Uh, it's a good one, another one of uh, our American friends that do that, so I'll tell you a bit more about that. Um and then we'll we'll get uh we'll get finished. My daughter's got her Cast coming off uh, to on Thursday. I'm uh, at, I'm in the mobile studios just watching Amy um, number one daughter. Uh, she's doing her hockey this evening, so we're watching that at the moment. But number two, um, she's had the the cast on um, broke her arm uh, when we were in Rotterdam about six weeks ago. So she's getting that off, and uh, she's up to high do. So that's what we're going to be doing over uh, on, on Thursday. Um, the other thing to tell you a wee bit more about is that I'm in fact selling a property. So whilst we've been going through on the last four or five podcasts talking about buying a property, what I'm going to do is just intersperse how I'm getting on in the sale of a property. Um, I've got a property down in Macrahanish. Macrahanish is on the west coast of Scotland and it looks very much as if that's going to be put on the market so it'll be interesting just from my own perspective and and hopefully you'll get some uh, understanding of of what's involved and and the perspective of a seller as we go through the trials and tribulations of, of trying to get a property sold so I'll keep you up to date as far as that's concerned. So let's start with property myths and debunk another one. Since we started the podcast, we've gone through a couple of of myths and tried to debunk those. What we're on to now is fixed prices. For those of you with any knowledge as far as the Scottish legal system is concerned and buying of property, you'll know that when a property goes to fixed price, then the first person who makes the offer at the fixed price at a date of entry Um, acceptable to the seller will be successful in buying the property. You'll see properties that are marketed offers over, uh, offers around and fixed price and the fixed price is is something that's very much beloved of the the first time buyer especially in a a market that is quite difficult to enter. Uh, A fixed price means that you're not going to be concerned about a closing date you know that there is some certainty involved that if you put your offer in and that offer is the first offer then you're going to be accepted and by and large that's the case however I have come across several situations where we put the offer in only to be told by the estate agent that there is another person sniffing around. And what the estate agents tend to say is that they will say, in order to give everybody a fair chance, rather than allowing it to go to a fixed price, they say that in order to give everybody a chance, we'll set a quick closing date. Now, If you've been in the game as long as I have, what you'll know is that the only people who are going to win out of a closing date is not your client, the purchaser, but is ultimately going to be the seller, or, and probably and, and the estate agent. Because everybody knows that in all likelihood you're going to get more money for a seller at a closing date, than you would do at a fixed price. So there's nothing more infuriating when the client has made the offer only to be told that it's going to go to a closing date. Now, don't get me wrong, it doesn't happen very often, but it's happened enough times for me to decide to to do something um, on the podcast about debunking the myth. So whilst fixed prices generally mean that your offer is going to be accepted. It's not a 100% cast iron guarantee. So just watch out. Is the fixed price a true fixed price? There's many a time where people have come up to me and asked me what makes a good solicitor and can I recommend a solicitor for for other parts of of the law rather than for property transactions? And what I say in answer to that is that what makes a good property solicitor is that they've got to have an ability to be organised. They've got to be organised because ultimately they're going to be spinning so many plates... As far as a transaction is concerned, it is absolutely vital that they are organised. But it's not just an organisational ability that they need to have. In many respects, they have to be a psychologist, they have to be a therapist, they have to be a negotiator, they have to be a poker player. Sometimes they have to be a friend. And in some respects, after you do all of that for the client, you've got to remember that you're a solicitor, and you've got to get them into the house come the date of entry. In many respects, what we do as domestic conveyancing solicitors in the the sphere of the law, it, it's not rocket science. It's not the most technically challenging work. Um, you know, there's there's um, Patent work, there's court work, there's corporate work, there's various other aspects of the law that probably are um, more technically taxing. Um, but for for stress levels, um, th- there can't be too many areas of the law um, which don't stress you out um, as 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 often as a domestic conveyancing transaction. So I think those are the things that you're looking for. Uh, you're looking for a plate spinner. Uh, first and foremost. In choosing a solicitor, you need to get this right because, as I say to, to pretty much all of my clients, you're going to maybe be buying five or six properties in the course of your lifetime. It's a big purchase. It's not like buying a pair of shoes. It's important and you need to make sure that you're happy with the person that you've instructed. Make sure that you spend a decent amount of time looking for the right solicitor. I'll, I'll talk about you know what you should be asking and, and who you should be asking a bit later on. But it, it's absolutely vital um, because ultimately... What you're looking to try and do is to ensure that your transaction is as stress-free as possible. You want to try and get through the transaction with as little stress as possible. Because, you know what, if you get it right, then it'll be absolutely fantastic. But rest assured, you choose the wrong solicitor and, and it, it goes wrong, um, then you'll wish you never started the sorry process. In many respects, a good solicitor is, a li- is an insurance policy. And if you've ever bought insurance, you'll know that there is a huge difference between one insurance policy and the other. And generally speaking, the more you pay for the policy, then the better the cover is going to be. And by and large, that should be the case as far as... Uh, instructing a solicitor is concerned you need to pay a reasonable fee because if you don't pay a reasonable fee then the chances are you're not going to to know who's going to be doing the work I think um, what tends to happen is that uh, uh, the the cheaper the fee that you uh, you pay then the less likely it is that the solicitor is actually going to be doing the the technical work and and it may well be farmed out to um, a raft of of paralegals so again I'll talk about that in in a little while the process really shouldn't be Stressful. the 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 reason why it's stressful is because there are so many parties involved in the transaction. I do a talk to uh, to buyers, and one of the things that I try and do is express to them how many people are actually involved in the process. And one of my talks, I I get various members of the audience, and I, I sit them down and i give them all jobs and um so we've got the surveyor we've got the client we've got the purchaser we've got the two solicitors we've got a damp and timber specialist we've got the surveyor we've got the bank Um, We've got the factor. So once you actually add up all the people who are involved in a transaction, you're probably looking at about 12, possibly 13 different people. These are people who either the purchaser has to talk to or you have to talk to and and in essence rely upon them doing their job. Because as well as I do my job, or a solicitor does their job, ultimately it doesn't matter how well they do their job, if somebody else in the process drops the ball, then it's going to definitely have a knock-on effect as far as how smooth your transaction is going to be. And what I do in this talk is that we take the 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 uh, the audience through a transaction, uh, and I'm at the front conducting um, uh, the the transaction, and, and every time um, one of the 12 or 13 individuals is involved in the transaction they get to stand up and then sit down and stand up and sit down and it is quite um, amazing to the uh, the viewing audience that they actually see first of all how many people are involved in the transaction and secondly uh, how many times they are involved in the transaction and um, it is quite an eye-opener to Uh, those because I think for a lot of clients they think that the offer goes in, there's a bit of legal work involved, as long as I get my mortgage I should get my keys on time Um, and I suppose it's the fact that um, that happens a great majority, 90% of the time, um, that, uh, uh, that clients still think that that's the case. Um, I think that if you explain to them that there were 12 or 13 people involved in a transaction um, you know it's a wonder sometimes that the the blasted transaction actually gets completed so there's a lot to it but how do you go about getting a solicitor on board and and how do you go about getting a good solicitor on board well these are some of the things I think that you should be asking I think you should be going in a recommendation um, now that can sometimes be fraught with difficulty because who you're going to recommend who's who that is going to recommend the solicitor may well have a vested interest and, and you need to make sure um, whether or not uh, the recommendation comes with some sort of referral fee um, because ultimately the recommendation you want is... Um, is a recommendation that is does not come with any strings attached. So I would think a family recommendation, a friend recommendation. Um, sometimes you'll get a rec- recommendation from uh, an estate agent um, or a surveyor. Um, but again, you just need to qualify that and just make sure um, you know, how much work uh, is being passed to this particular solicitor. Uh, The next thing I would ask is that once you've identified maybe two or three solicitors and and you're looking for quotes, um, I certainly wouldn't be going on um, or or judge the level of uh, service uh, based upon the the value of the quote. I think what you need to do is you need to drill down a bit deeper. I think you need to ask who's going to be doing the work and what you'll tend to find is that um, some of the work will be fronted by the solicitor um, and it may well be that a great deal of the day-to-day work will be done by somebody who's not legally qualified as maybe a paralegal. So again, in choosing a solicitor you need to be comfortable with who's doing the work. Um, Next, I would be saying, uh, how do they do the work? Um, I would be asking, do they have a case management system? I would be also asking them uh, how often you will be kept informed. Um, I think it's important that you understand what the solicitor's expectation is of you, and also you need to get an understanding as to where you will fit in the, the great pantheon of a solicitor's workload because there's no point in you thinking that paying a fee of £300 that you're going to uh, have the ear of the the solicitor and he or she is going to be at at your beck and call. Um, You'll appreciate that it probably doesn't quite work like that. I think it's important that you do make an effort to try and speak to the solicitor to, to get a quote. Um, I think this has a number of benefits. Uh, obviously, getting a figure is, is the most important thing, but also I think it gives you uh, an opportunity to scope out the solicitor. I think, in some respects, it's important that you get on with your solicitor. Uh, there's you, You're potentially going to be spending a lot of time in dealing with them, and I think that. It's an easier transaction if you can strike up a rapport. I certainly know from personal experience that if I can strike up a rapport with a a client, then I find that the transaction is more enjoyable. And and ultimately, if it's more enjoyable for me, then uh, it should be more enjoyable for the client themselves. In also speaking with the solicitor, and establishing some sort of rapport, um, you're, you're really saying to the, uh, to the solicitor that you know what you're talking about uh, to a greater extent, and, and certainly the solicitor will sit up and, and understand and pay attention uh, to that. So I think it's, it's a good idea to, uh, to speak to the, the solicitor at the earliest opportunity. We're going to come to the thorny issue of price, and it's a service industry, Okay, Um, In many respects, there's a feeling amongst uh, the practitioners that it's almost a race to the bottom as far as fees are concerned. And as with all service industries, you will get people who, firms of solicitors, uh, who will be cheaper than others, it's a service industry. You know, you probably get what you pay for. If you're going to pay, f- you know, the, the equivalent of a, a lollipop and a bag of sherbet dibdabs, dabs then you're going to get a service similar to that in all likelihood. Um, I think the cheaper you pay for your fee, uh, then the less likely that your solicitor is going to be at your beck and call. Uh, it's going to be very much a process-driven transaction. Um, you might get a lot of automated texts, a lot of automated emails. There's probably going to be a lack of um, personality uh, within the transaction and, and it may sometimes appear to be somewhat robotic. But ultimately, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for a process-driven um, service and um, the solicitor's firm will have spent a lot of money putting in place an expensive case management system, and, um, you, as I say, you may not get the service that uh, that, that you would want. Um, if you're prepared to pay slightly more, then I think there is, with that comes a greater expectation that you're going to get not just um, a, a re- I was going to say a robotic um, process, Um, what you have to realise with regards to the convincing process that it is a process um, and the best solicitors uh, and firms are able to, um, in some respects, hide the fact that it's a process and put more of a human face on the whole process. And ultimately we as solicitors are are dealing with individuals and it's very much an an individual um, area of the law where uh, we're dealing with um, the the public. We're not dealing with large corporates that maybe corporate uh, transactions or commercial transactions, you know, we're we're dealing with the general public and, and it's important, certainly for Whenever I'm acting on behalf of clients, I want to um, try and express my own personality um, as the transaction goes through. And the last thing I want is is to be uh, appear as, as some um, robot in the system uh, just processing uh, another transaction and another transaction and another transaction. Um, so, I think that if you're you 're prepared to pay a little bit more, then you should be expecting to get a level of service equivalent to that. Uh, I, I do run an analogy, and I think a number of people have, have run an analogy of, of the supermarkets. It, it's it's what you want. Is it Aldi? Is it Sainsbury's? Or is it John Lewis? Uh, and there'll be people who will shop at Aldi and they'll be prepared to pack their own bags. But there'll be those who shop at John Lewis and they would be expecting somebody else to pack their bags. And it, it's quite probably quite a good analogy. The bottom line is that we're all solicitors, we're all ruled by the law society uh, and ultimately the transaction will get done. Um, What I think you're paying for is how the transaction is done and how you feel about that transaction uh, is is very much based probably upon the level of fee that you pay. Now for, for some people they're quite happy to uh, take the potential risk of um, going with a, a cheap fee um, and there are those who just would never even contemplate that and feel that it is a service and it's a service worth paying for. Um, I think ultimately, if, if you do pay uh, a reasonable fee, then um, what you're paying for is a good insurance policy that if something does go wrong, the person who's instructed will, first of all, know why the transaction's gone wrong. They will know how to correct the problem. Uh, They will be able to give you a time frame to doing that and they will be able to make you feel comfortable that everything is under control. So that's pretty much all I wanted to say as far as choosing a solicitor is concerned. Um, it, it is a difficult um, thing to to, to achieve uh, and really I think my final thing to say about this is you should go on recommendation. I would say family recommendation or friend recommendation um, broker estate agents get a recommendation i wouldn't be googling Uh, i think the bottom line is go for a recommendation So, I'm sat here in the mobile studios watching the rain pitter patter down on the windscreen uh, as I watch number one daughter finishing off her hockey practice. Uh, I did think that hockey finished at the beginning of April, but it it appears that that's not the case, and I'm having to come up here every Tuesday evening and drop number one off and uh, watch her go through her paces. So, it shouldn't be too much longer. Next thing I wanted to talk about was podcasts. Uh, I am a big fan of the the podcasts, and I do listen to uh, a wide variety of podcasts uh, through running, triathlon, um, film. Uh, this particular one is called "Stuff You Should Know." Uh, two American guys, uh, and the format just with you know all the the really good. Podcasts are, are generally done with a, a format of, of two having a conversation and this one I say, is called Stuff You Should Know and what they talk about is for 20 minutes, 30 minutes uh, they talk about some bizarre topic. Uh, it's researched to within uh, an inch of their lives and the production on the show is just fantastic and they do go through some bizarre topics. I've just got my iPhone out here, and I'll show you what the last four, or I'll say to you what the last four uh, podcasts were about. How bonsai works, uh, true stories of survival cannibalism, how snake handlers work, how LSD works. Now, if that doesn't float your boat, I'm not entirely sure what does. So I'll, I'll, tell you the blurb on the how snake handlers work from professional snake milkers for anti-venom to religious handlers who tend to get bitten and sometimes die from it either way it can be a dangerous occupation now why wouldn't you want to listen to that that might be a wee bit more interesting than uh, the bricks and mortar podcast you'll only know that if you download it and so have a go at that stuff you should know It's a good listen. Okay, I'm just going to sign off now. Amy's just about finished on the hockey side of things. Uh, Thanks very much for listening again to another episode of the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Uh, Amy's off in her Duke of Edinburgh over the weekend, so she's got a joint up at the hills above Calendar. so we won't see her for a couple of days, and then Emma, next thing for her is to get that blasted cast off her arm, and then she's off for an athletics meeting on Friday. Um, let's just hope that uh, she doesn't fall over. She's doing the relay. Uh, she's really pumped up and and like a coiled spring waiting to be uh, to be released Um, she's been cooped up for the last six weeks so uh, let's hope that she gets on okay on Friday trying to promote the podcast one way that you can promote the podcast and help me in my endeavors in doing that is to like us on iTunes we've been on iTunes for a couple of weeks so it'd be great if you could just go on there and give us a, a like. They do a rating system, one to five. You know what? Anything. Um, just, just give us uh, a- any rating. It's always good to get feedback, of course. Um, other ways to promote the podcast, um, if you could like us on Facebook, that's always of great help. Or indeed, join the Facebook. Just go on to the groups on Facebook and type in bricks and mortar and you'll see us over there i think we've got about 70 or so members so it'd be good to have you along to join that community please get in touch with me it's always good to uh, get some feedback on the show we've had some good feedback uh, up until now so always good to Find out what you're up to and also what you think of the show. If you've got any questions about property, then please don't hesitate to drop me a line. You can get me on the Twitters, uh, JWilliams_BB. We're on the emails. Uh, get me at JonathanWilliams at BegleyBrown.co.uk. And also we're on the website, which is dub the bricks and mortar podcast.co.uk I'm going to sign off now that's Amy just about to open the door of the mobile studios so this has been another episode of the Bricks and Mortar podcast, changing perceptions of the buying process. We'll catch you next time.